Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. It's been, I didn't realize until I was chatting with Pastor Tony in between services, it's been over two years since he was last able to be here. And we remember what happened last year in April. You remember April 2020 was the month that all the churches were closed. Uh, we, we didn't know what was happening with COVID. We were one of those churches that was closed for a number of weeks. And we had uh, Pastor Tony scheduled for a revival during that month, and we had to cancel it. And uh, But we are so thankful that he and his wife, Gina, are with us here today. So why don't we remind him how much Life Church loves him and give him a good welcome here this morning. Amen. Come on up, Pastor Tony. And I told him in between services, we're tired of looking at his ugly mug. We're glad he brought his beautiful wife with him today. Amen. And with that, I turn it to that beautiful wife. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be in church today. Do you feel free to worship the Lord? Isn't it wonderful that we live in a country that is free? But even further than that, aren't you glad that your soul is free? And it's not because of a presidential election, but it's because of the one who resurrected that we're free to worship him. I am free. Praise the Lord. I'm free. Do you feel the presence of the Lord in this place? And when you go deeper in your worship and you're free to do the things in church and you're free to live for the Lord the way you want to, you'll, you'll gain a deeper understanding and a deeper relationship with him that when you get knocked on your back and you go, the, you go through the things that are ugly in life, the things that we all have to go through, the crosses that we all have to bear, when you go through those things and you're free to worship, you, can, you don't have to understand it. You don't have to have all the answers, but you can still say, Lord, I trust you. I believe in you. You're still my healer. I still believe. Does anybody believe that way today? Worship with me in this song, I Still Believe. for you yet through it all I can say my God is faithful sometimes my nights seem like they'll never end like a tide from the ocean that never comes in yet I know the morning will come and all that's been lost shall be won I still in a God who restores, in a God who opens doors, in a God who is faithful, and I still believe in a God.
faith seemed to wane when I cried my last tear and felt crushed by the pain in a sweet tender way he's been there he's so faithful when my friends have gone on and I'm still left with grief when I'm weak and I'm shaking like an insecure leaf he gives me strength to move on the courage and faith to be strong i still believe in a god who restores in a god who opens doors in a god who is faithful and i still in a God who heals, in a God who is real, in a God who is faithful. And although some of my prayers have not come to pass, and some of my hopes and my dreams have been dashed, I know that God has a plan greater than i understand i still believe in a god who restores do you believe that in a god who opens doors in a god who is Would you stand to your feet and give God praise today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. If you'd remain standing for just a moment, and uh, this is kind of like my second house, so I'm going to feel like I'm at home. If you'll turn my monitors up, please, and turn me up out there, because if not, I'm going to kill my voice, and I will make sure they hear everything I say today. Can you hear me right now? Do you feel like you're in a Pentecostal church? If I were to shout, would it, like, mess up your ears? Oh, 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 they said no. Then crank me up, sound man. Make sure that they can hear me sing praises unto my God. You, sometimes you'll hear a song, but, you know, a song is nice, but if you know the context behind the song, then you'd understand that praise. When that song was written, I still believe, when it was written for Gina... Gina had just buried her first husband. Gina was raising a five-year-old, and I'm not talking about my testimony. You know my testimony. I'm talking about her testimony. She had a five-year-old at home and a one-year-old at home, and she had just buried her first husband. And, you know, they had been believing for something, and God had another way. But there was a song written that Gina started singing, and she just started declaring, I still believe. There's a God that restores. I still believe. There's a God that opens doors. And 
even though some of my prayers haven't come to pass and even though some of my dreams have been dashed. Is there anybody in this house that's ever had a dream dashed or something didn't go your way, but today you stand here in this sanctuary and you say everything hasn't gone my way, but I still confess I believe that Jesus Christ is a rewarder. God is good. He he makes a way where there was no way. You got to understand the context behind the praise today. Can you still hear me out there all right? So I want to praise God today because he's been a very, very, very good God. Is that your testimony today? Amen. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. And I'm glad you're standing because I got something to say before I preach. Second Chronicles 31 says that, you know, the, the, the temple had been closed. Uh, the, the priests had shut the temple down. And then when they called for the reopening of the temple, only eight out of the 12 tribes came back. Because not everybody was ready to come back. I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to go any further. But the ones that did come back, they didn't come back empty-handed. They came back with tithes and offerings in their hand. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 31 that when they began bringing their offerings. Now, offering is not just money. Offering is talents, it's praise, it's worship, it's song. They started bringing these things to the temple. And the Bible says that Hezekiah saw the huge piles. Because they didn't come back empty-handed. When they came back, they brought back a lot. And the Bible says they brought, so, they brought back so much that they, they came back giving in heaps. That's the Bible word. I had a, a, a talk a few months ago, or a few a, about a month ago with a pastor from Florida, and he said, Tony, have you heard about the heap blessing? I said, I don't even know what a heap blessing is. He said, they brought so much that there was heaps. And Hezekiah asked, where did all the heaps come from? Where did all the stuff come from? And the temple official said, well, ever since the people started giving, there's been blessing on top of the blessing on top of the blessing that we've just had to pile it up in heaps because there's so much. We just have to, we're just stacking blessing on top of blessing on top of blessing. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 31, 7, that they began making heaps in the spring and the heaps continued through the summer and into the early autumn. And I'm prophesying over this church right now that you're not going to have to wait for the fall to have a harvest, but God's going to command a summer harvest to come over this church. You're going to start seeing heaps of blessing, heaps of healing, heaps of baptism, heaps of miracles, heaps of jobs, heaps of better jobs, heaps, heaps of financial increase, heaps of testimony, heaps upon heaps upon heaps. And people say, where did all this blessing come from? Where, how, where did this all come from? And you're going to say, ever since we came back into the house of God, and ever since we started giving our praise, and giving our song, and giving of our faith, and just giving, 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 God has been sending, sending, sending. It's so much blessing. I don't know. If he, I don't even know where to contain it, where to put it. I'm prophesying heaps of blessing over life, church, in the name of Jesus. If that's your word, give God praise right now. Hallelujah. Heaps upon heaps. I see you over there in the turquoise skirt over there. Heaps upon heaps over heaps. And you know who it happens for? It happens for the crazy people like you and me. I just put you in the class with me. Nobody else praises God like us, and nobody gets what we get. Because if you did what we did, maybe you'd get what we got. 
You say you're crazy. You know what God did for me? You can be seated, I guess, if you want to. Except turquoise skirt. Her and I are going to stay standing for a minute. You know what God did for me in a pandemic when everybody shut down? A year ago this week, I don't, this has nothing to do with my sermon, but I feel like speaking. I was sitting under a fireworks tent having culture clash in Elizabethan, Tennessee. I've never been under a fireworks tent. That stuff was illegal in Chicago. You blow up buildings with the stuff we have under that tent. And I'm sitting under that tent looking around, and the Holy Ghost speaks to me. And the Lord said, for as Pentecostal as you say you are, you've never set one of these things up for me. I said, well, you know, but the church is shut down, Jesus. You know, you can't move right now. There's a pandemic. We can't, I mean, we, we can't, we can't, you know, you, you remember when you, you made Oral Roberts shut down his healing? Oh, I'm sorry, that never happened. I said, I don't know about setting up a tent. And I, uh, I told a friend of mine, I said, you know what? I felt like God wants me to set up a tent. He said, well, I got a tent for you. And I got a place for you to set the tent up. We were preaching in Nashville, and the driver overheard us talking. He's just our driver. And he overheard us talking, and he's supposed to take us back to the hotel. He said, Pastor, if you'll allow me, I just want to take you on a detour. He took us to a parking lot next to Nissan Stadium where the Tennessee Titans play. He said, this is where I park my cars. I have a transportation company, and if you want to have a tent revival, you can have it right here on this parking lot next to the football stadium. So we set a tent up. We didn't know if anybody would come. And it's not like we, we didn't know. So we put a tent up. Well, 4,000 people came to that tent. Over 400 people were baptized in the Holy Ghost under that tent. Healing, signs, and wonders. 106 people were water baptized under that tent. We were having a summer harvest in the middle of a pandemic. So when you hear me tell you that God can bless you in season and out of season, it's because I had me a summer harvest last year in Nashville. And if that wasn't enough, God gave me a taste, turquoise skirt, because sometimes he'll give you a taste before he gives you what belongs to you. He'll let, Moses, he'll let you peek at a promised land that you haven't even stepped to to see if you'll have the faith to go all the way in. Oh, I'm prophesying to somebody, right? Nine o'clock didn't get this word. This is for the 11 o'clock service. This is for the VIP service. Nine o'clock didn't get what you're getting right now. And there was an evangelist named Ted Shuttlesworth, great man of God, used to travel with R.W. Shambach. He called me a few months ago and he said, Brother Tony, God told me that I'm to bless you. He said, are you putting another tent up this year? I said, yes, sir, I'm going to do it first week of September. I'm going back to Nashville. We caught the Nashville outpouring. I said, I just, you know, we're, we're going to be there. I don't have all the details yet. He said, well, God told, you, God told me I'm supposed to lend you my tent. And God told me I'm supposed to give you the, uh, lend you the sound system and the lights and all I want you to do is come to my camp meeting and thank my partners uh, because they're the ones that made it possible. We see 1,200 people under that tent. It saved us like $45,000 just lending it to us. I mean, you talk about heaps of blessing. I had $45,001 bills. Heap, it's a blessing. Now, I was thanking the Lord for a borrowed tent because you got to learn to praise God in stages. Somebody's waiting for... Man, this has nothing to do with my sermon, but I feel like I'm in a vein right now. Somebody's waiting for the six-bedroom house to give God praise. But if you can praise him in the one-bedroom apartment, 
If you can praise him in the apartment where you lay in the center and your foot is in the kitchen, your other foot's in the bathroom, one's in the bedroom, and the other one's in the living If you can praise God in that apartment, then God knows I can trust you because if you can praise me in a small thing, hey, God. If you can praise him in the Uber, if you can praise him in the bus, if you can praise him in the taxi, and you can praise him in the train, God says, I know one day you'll be able to praise me in your own car. This has nothing to do with what I came to talk about. I praised him for a borrowed tent. And I went to that camp meeting to thank Brother Shuttlesworth's partners, and I was thanking him for their generosity. And while I was thanking him for their generosity, he came up like a mob boss and patted me on the cheek like this. He said, oh, Brother Tony, I forgot to tell you, God didn't tell me to lend you the tent. I'm speaking to you, Bishop of Africa, right back there right now. He said, God didn't tell me to lend you the tent. God told me to give you the tent. He gave me a 1,200-seat tent and he gets but this is this is how God's economy works he gave me a 1200 seat tent and I'm like shouting I don't even know what to say I've never gotten a gift like that before he gave me the tent I never asked God for a tent when God gives you something that you didn't ask for you better take what God gives you and put it to use so I went to my chair thanking God for my tent, and his son, Teddy, got the microphone and said, Dad, well, I guess it's time to give you your birthday surprise. I know you've been believing on God for a bigger tent because you want one that seats 2,000, and you just gave Tony your 1,200-seat tent. Dad, we just want you to know we've already bought you the 2,000-seat tent, and it's paid off for because that's how this economy works. In the same day that you give is the same day you're going to reap a harvest. In the same day you sow that praise is the same day you're going to see the miracle. In this, ooh, I, I wish you believed it. Like I'm speaking it right now. Because if you believed it, you would have just given God a praise right now and watched cancer come off and diabetes. In the same day and in the same hour that you sow, you're going to reap because this is the season of the summer harvest where it's heaps upon heaps upon heaps upon heaps. Turquoise skirt, if that wasn't enough, a few days late, turquoise skirt, don't walk away from me, woman. I'm talking to you over here. Get over here. Preach with me. Let's teach them how to have church. A few days later, I was on the Victory Channel talking about having tent revivals, and a lady wrote to the website and said, my husband just died. She said, but I want to do something to honor my husband. We're mailing you a $50,000 sound system. It's yours. You don't have to pay for it. It's yours. God gave me a tent. God gave me a sound system. Three weeks ago, God gave me the platform, and then three days ago, God gave me 800 chairs to put under that tent. I never asked for anything. I just received, and I prophesy to you, woman, you're not going to have to ask for your next blessing. God's just going to send it to you, and get ready. Here it comes. Whoa, oh, Give God praise right now, because you believe that miracles, you believe that blessings, you believe that goodness and mercy is following you all the day. 
I'm, what, what do you, I'm looking for the next healing that's about to happen. I'm looking for revival in Africa. I'm looking for buildings and tents, and I'm looking for healing and miracles because I'm having a summer harvest. Give God praise in the house. Mercy. That's not even my sermon. Hi, it's good to be back with you today. There's a summer harvest. I haven't asked God for one thing that he's given me this year. And he's just giving it. He's just giving it. Because when a... It'll sound... It'll sound I'm careful how I said it. But if you'll walk in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, and you'll make yourself available to God, and in this season, when the church is being persecuted, and you'll step out in the name of the church, God will put resources in your hand. God will put blessings in your hand. God will make sure you are healed and delivered. God will make sure your children are protected. God will send extra angels around your family to protect you, because if you stand for Him, you... I promise you he's going to stand for you. But I would get ready. If you're not already experiencing, I would get ready for heaps of blessing. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing. I'd wake up looking, where's my next blessing coming from? Because I, well, I know where it's coming from. But what's God going to do today? Because he's just going to pile it on in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Why would he do it right now? Because right now, we're having a book of Acts moment. We have been in the book of Acts chapter 4, where the church has been persecuted. They have told us, don't preach in that name. Don't preach that word. Don't speak those things. And, we have been, and they have even arrested some of my brothers, and they've put them in prison in this season. And they said, don't do this, and don't do that. But you know what happens when the church is persecuted? The church begins to resist. And we say, how dare you tell us that we are to obey man over God. We, if you knew what we knew about Jesus, you'd understand why we can't stop preaching. We can't stop teaching. We can't stop singing in this name. The devil should have left the church alone in this season because he's provoking revival. He's provoking resistance. He should have left us alone and messed with someone else, but we have resisted and it is written. Resist the devil and he shall. He, I'm telling you, he's running, he's running, he's leaving. And a book of Acts chapter 4 births a book of Acts chapter 5. And you know what happens in Acts chapter 5? God takes care of the Ananias and the Sapphiras. God's going to get rid of the hypocrisy. He's going to get rid of the lion. He's going to get rid of the two-faced Christianity that's trying to live at the same. God's going to cleanse his church. And after he cleanses his church, mass miracles, mass salvation, where it's happening not only in the church house, but in the streets. This is the season that we have been living for it's revival time. It's prosperity time. It's time to have heaven on the earth. Give them praise if you believe it. Anyhow, it's good to be with you today. If you'd stand with me for the reading of God's word, I guess I'm going to preach this sermon. Oh, Lord Jesus. 
Father, just restore a Hammond organ right into that corner right there, Lord. Just, just get me an organ and get me an organ player, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for the guitars, but I miss the organ, Jesus. Hallelujah. It'll come in Jesus' name. Oh, well, never I don't want to say this. I'm going to say too much. Mark, <laughs> what am I talking? Oh, yeah. Mark 9, 14 through 18. You'll stand with me for reading, reading of God's word. I didn't hear anybody flip a page because you're looking on the screen. That's all right. That means you trust. You trust it to be what I'm about to read. When they returned to the other disciples, there was a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing. And when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. And Jesus asked, what's all this arguing about? One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit. And it won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit. But they couldn't do it. I want to talk about that right there. About a church well, I'm going to say too much, and then I'll preach it before I preach it. I'll leave it right there. Father, use me for your glory. I feel your anointing. I sense you near. Lord, I'm shifting because I know i got to preach this word, but I ask that you confirm it with signs, miracles, and wonders in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You can be seated in the presence of God. A few weeks ago, Gene and I were driving. We were going to preach at, a, at an event, and I was in the, Gene and I were in the back seat, and the person's driving, not because we're bougie, but it's what you got to do with an Uber. You know, you can't be up in the front with the Uber. So, I mean, don't, not, oh, man, they're driven in the back seat. So are you in the Uber. So we're in the back, and the man's driving, and Gene is carrying on a conversation. I wasn't really feeling like talking, and I was just, I wasn't trying to be spiritual in the moment. I wasn't trying to be churchy. I just opened my Bible. Between you and me, and the thousands watching at home, between you and me, I opened the Bible because I didn't really want to talk. And so I was just trying to act busy. And I was reading, and the Holy Ghost started speaking to me. I started reading uh, Mark chapter 9, and I started reading this narrative, and I started reading this story, and I started reading what I believe to be a prophetic word picture of where we are today as a church and as a society. Because the Gospel of Mark in chapter 9 talks about a commotion that's brewing. There's, there, and, and the commotion is about somebody's need. There is a need. There is something that needs to be done, and the religious people are arguing about how to get it done. There is a boy that needs deliverance. There is a boy that needs healing, and they bring the boy to the people that are associated with revival associated with the miraculous, the people that are closest to Jesus. They bring the boy to these men, and rather than heal the boy, they start arguing. Now, I'm a church boy. This is all I have ever known. So I feel like I'm an authority on what they were arguing about. Because church people are church people in every century. They don't change. They're the same all the time. And I know church people. I know what they argue about. So I got a good hunch that these people were arguing about who is to pray for the boy, what they're to say over the boy, how they're to pray for the boy. They're arguing over customs. They're arguing over process and procedure. They're arguing about religious stuff that at the end of the day really 
doesn't matter. But the religious people are just having a holy war, fighting and arguing and talking to each other. All the while, there's a boy at their feet that needs healing and deliverance, and he's convulsing, and he's bound, and nothing changes but the religious people are always arguing, arguing, arguing. It sounds like the moment in history that we're living in. Because we got a world at our feet that needs deliverance. A world that needs healing. A world that needs reconciliation. And they don't know where to turn to. And when they came to the church, they found the church arguing about elephants and donkeys and Republicans and Democrats. They found a church arguing about money and denominations and customs and culture and procedure. They came to the house of healing, but they couldn't find healing because the house of healing needs healing. The house of healing has been arguing amongst each other far too long. And we got a generation at our feet that needs a move of God. They need the touch of God. They need healing in their body. They need deliverance from these spirits that they're facing. I want you to be aware if you're going to win a war, you got to know who you're fighting against. Our children and our children's children are fighting devils that we didn't have to fight off in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, let alone the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s. They're fighting spirits that we never had to deal with. They're fighting perversion and temptations that I never had to deal with, but they're alive and prevalent in this generation. Why? Because the enemy knows the potential of this generation. He saved some of his best devils for this generation because he knew this is the generation that would see the glory of God. He knew this is a generation that would see the last day great catching away of the church. And so he has done everything to silence the church, divide the church, and destroy the church. But we remind that lion devil today that it, the truth of the word of God has been the same forevermore. And it is written, no weapon formed against us, no virus formed against us, no political strife formed against us, no racial tension formed against us. No devil in hell formed against us shall prosper. We beat this thing before and we'll do it again because ooh, I feel it preaching right now. I feel the Holy Ghost stirring up in here. You came at us with your best shot, but your best shot didn't prosper. So the church ought to rejoice and the church ought to thank God. Hell came against you like a flood, but God raised up a standard and protected you. So you got a generation that needs healing. You got a generation that needs healing. They need deliverance. And they come to us because they heard you talk about your grandmother. They heard the stories of old. They heard you talk about what God was. But I ask you today, do you still believe he is? They came looking for a prophetic church and they found a political church. They came looking for a remnant and they found a church fighting to be relevant. They came looking for power and we gave them opinions. And they lay at our feet sick and bound. And if we're not careful and we don't get this thing right, you know what they'll do? When plan A doesn't work, they'll look for plan B. 
And there is an enemy of your soul trying to sell them witchcraft, trying to sell them the things of the occult. You say, Swarge, you are a crazy fanatic Pentecostal. Oh, yes, I am. Not only, yes, I am, yes, I is. I is fanatic right now. I'll tell you right now that if we don't get this thing right, our kids are hungry for the supernatural. They're hungry for something greater than this junk that's going on. And if we don't give them the real stuff, they'll go find a counterfeit somewhere else. And if you don't believe me, go walk through a theme park and watch all those babies waving magic wands and speaking in unknown languages and doors open and lights turn on and birds fly. You say it's innocent, that's that's fine. I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm just telling you the enemy saw a door where he could feed them a white lie just a little bit to make them believe in a supernatural but deny the power thereof. But I want my kids to know. I want my little Pentecostal babies to know. We speak in an unknown language too. It's called Holy Ghost tongues. And when you speak in that language, the Father says, I know what you need. We don't wave magic wands, but we believe in prayer cloths, and we believe in the name of Jesus, and when you speak in that name, anything is possible. Give them praise in the house. <coughs> They're laying, needing a solution, needing a healing, and we're fighting and dividing for points of view and preferences that really don't matter at the end of the day. Religious people always like to fight and debate. I made a decision a few years ago. I found out that there was over 2,000 language groups in the world, Bishop, that don't have a Bible in their language. They have never heard the name of Jesus. You're talking about millions upon millions of people. Forget the whole, are you Baptist or Presbyterian? They've never heard the name of Jesus. They don't know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him would not perish but have everlasting life. They don't even know that. And I made a decision. I will no longer argue this book with another believer. If you, if, if you claim Jesus as the Lord of your life and you're on a journey, I will not argue. Now, I did not say we don't preach sound doctrine. I did not say the Bible doesn't matter. What I said was I'm not going to use this as a weapon to divide the church. This is a weapon against hell. This is to preach and drive back hell. This book isn't to argue about. This book is to preach about. And I want everybody to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so I won't argue with you anymore about the Bible. I'm going to preach the Bible. I'm going to preach it till North Korea hears that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm going to hear it till communist China knows that there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. I'm going to preach it until the deserts of Africa and the caves of the Middle East and the rainforests of South America know that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of Almighty God. I'm not going to fight with fellow believers. Put your swords down, you Christian soldiers? <laughs> We've been having holy wars, denominational wars for years. And what have they done? How have they made us better? We're, we're, some of y'all, some, well, I'm not going to put, well, some of us got saved out of gangs. And some of us were wannabe gangbangers in Chicago. And we traded in our old associations. Just to have Holy Ghost gangs. Right here, Pentecostal, what's up? 
apostolic, charismatic, Presbyterian, Methodist. And, and, and all we did was take the same thing that we were stuck in in the world and we brought it into the church. But it's the same nasty old divisive spirit that had us out there, except now it has us bound in holy bounds, holy chains. But we break those chains in Jesus' name, and we say, I don't have time to fight with you. I don't have time to argue with you. You, go, you walk with Christ, and I'll walk with Christ, and let's believe that the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us into all truth, but we're not going to fight against each other when we're singing to the same God and we're worshiping the same God. Not when there's a world at my feet. That needs Jesus. And that's the point, ladies and gentlemen, because while they were arguing and contending for their points of view, you know who showed up? Jesus showed up. And when Jesus showed up, everybody stopped arguing. Everybody stopped bickering. Nobody was posturing for position anymore because when Jesus walks in a room, he ends the arguments, he ends the division, and he ends the fighting, which leads me to believe that I got a solution for the plight of 2021. You know how we're going to solve all of this division and tension? We need a Jesus revival. We need to have Jesus walk back into the church. We need Jesus to walk back into our homes. We need Jesus to walk back into our sermons and our teachings and our books. We've written enough books to tell you how to buy a house and how to get a car and three steps to a blessing and 21 points to a healthy marriage. We got to get back to preaching about Jesus, teaching about Jesus, singing about Jesus, praying to Jesus, expecting Jesus, because when Jesus shows up, nothing else matters. I need a Jesus revival. This nation needs a Jesus my children need to know Jesus. Not my brand of Christianity. They need to know the Christ that I follow. Jesus shows up. What is all this arguing about? And he said, I brought my boy to your disciples and they can't do anything. And Jesus says, in my opinion, with a sigh, do you know you're not supposed to argue over text message, right? Because you can't always hear the way. Sometimes people are like, hi, and you're like, oh, it's like that? Okay, no smiley, huh? Okay, all right. Block. And they legit were just saying, hi. I read this, and I read it with Jesus sighing. Because Jesus said unto them, you faithless people. Ugh. You have been around the miraculous. You've seen me feed the multitude. You've seen me turn water into wine. You've seen other people bound and delivered. You know that when I want someone to be delivered, I don't have to go into a 21-day Daniel's fast and quote some book in the seven point. I don't even have to. I just speak and the devil's. You have been around this. You have been around it. But you don't know how to operate in it. You don't know how to function in it. You depend on me to cast out the devils. You depend on me to heal the sick. You like to be associated with it, but you don't know how to do it. And ladies and gentlemen, you hear me? I'm prophesying. I'm being used of God right now. I'm speaking to the spirit-filled church. If we don't get this right, that's going to be the plight 
of our children. They were around the move of God. They were around revival. They were around the sick being healed. They were around the things that God did. But if we don't pass this faith down to our children and we don't teach them these things, they're not going to know how to rebuke devils when they have children. They won't know how to call the fire down when they have children. They won't know how to pray heaven down to the earth. We got to make sure that they know how to operate in the same thing that we've known our entire life. I remember, ooh, I'm t- 9 o'clock didn't get anything. I need to write a letter to apology, a letter of apology to 9 o'clock. When I was 15 years old and got in trouble in high school, the dean called my mother and, and, and took me, and I don't got time to tell you the whole story, but we were driving home, and I was, I was in trouble. And my mother looked at me in the car, and she said, you know what your problem is amongst many? He's my God, but he's not yours. She said, you go to church because we take you to church. You serve God because your dad and I are pastors. You go because we've told you that you're to do these things. But you're depending off of my faith. You're living off of my prayer. You're living off of my walk with God. She said, but Tony, the moment is coming in your life where you can no longer live off of my faith. You're going to have to have faith in your own relationship with God. There's a shifting, Tony. You're growing up, and he's got to become your God. you got to go to church whether I take you or I don't take you to church. You got to learn the power of prayer for the day that I'm not able to pray for you. That's what's happening right now. We have been given this precious truth. We have been given this wonderful church, but our children better learn how to pray, prophesy, and praise the glory down. They, they, he has to become their God. You can't just be associated with it. You can't just be in the room with it. That wasn't the purpose of the cross. That wasn't the purpose of the upper room. It's so that what you were associated with would fill you and live on the inside. And so Jesus says, bring the boy and the father to me. Stop the arguing. Because that's what happens. Jesus shows up. It just, it just stops. And they bring the boy to Jesus. And Jesus and the father engage in a conversation. How long has he been this way? Father, it's been like this a long time. And I've gone to the religious, and I've gone to the temple, and I've gone to the disciples, and now I've come to you. Do you have that verse that you can put on the screen? He says, help us if you can. He says to Jesus, with fingers crossed, help us. If you can. And Jesus says, what do you mean? This is not son of God. This is son of Mary right here. This is not precious moments, Jesus. This is not sweet baby Jesus, Talladega Nights prayer, Jesus. I, I knew how to reach Richmond. I knew. I knew if I went to Talladega right now. Someone say, oh, yes, take me back, preacher. This isn't sweet baby Jesus. This is angry, Jesus. This is Exodus 15, 3. The Lord is a warring God, Jesus. This is, this is, I'm going to say it. I think this is Puerto Rican Jesus right here. I don't even think this is Jesus. I think this is Jesus. Como, como, como que si yo puedo. Que es lo que tú quieres decir con eso. You hear it. He's angry. You hear it in Spanish. You're like, oh, okay, I hear the context now. Como que si yo puedo. 
We're a little more, ah, in Spanish. There's a little more Ricky Ricardo on that one. What do you mean if I can? And Jesus says, all things are possible to them that believe. And the man says, I believe. Just help me with my unbelief. It all ties in together. Because if they come to us for healing, how can we heal if we don't believe? You say, oh, I believe in God. I just don't know about the healing. I believe in the word. I just, I just don't know about all them. That's about speaking in other tongues. And I, 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 be, I, I believe. I just struggle with some unbelief. Because life has happened. And I've had too many funerals. And I've had too much sickness. And I've gone through too many junk. Too much junk in my life. And too many divorces. And problems in my family. And problems here. It's not that I don't want to believe. I am a believer that God is good. I'm a believer that there's a God. It's just I struggle with unbelief because of the stuff that's happened in my life. I think I've diagnosed the problem because how can you heal if you don't believe? When I was 19, 20 years old, I used to sell suits at a store in Chicago. And then, and, and I, I still remember, I was so insecure. I didn't know how to talk to anybody. And there was these guys looking at some suits up there. And, and the veteran salesman that made all the money, he was, he's about to go. He's a piranha. I mean, he's about to go. And I'm like, let me get one. And he's like, don't mess it up. And so I walk over. <laughs> Apologies for that. Take that off the video. I walk over and I said, looking for a suit? Guy said, nope, dishwasher. And I just walked away and went to the break room. And the guy looking behind me, he's like, don't do it again. Just don't mess it up. He told me, he said, you know what your problem is? You don't have any confidence. You don't know about the product. So you have no confidence in the product. You don't have any confidence that you know how to help the guy. So you don't even know how to talk to the guy. Of course he's shopping for a suit. Why would you go up there and say, are you suit shopping today? How can we help a world? How can you preach healing if you're not convinced he's still a healer? How can you help a world that's struggling with racial tension like we have not seen since the days of Martin Luther King? How can you help heal a nation when you don't know how to reconcile a nation? How can you heal a nation? Oh, I'm going to prophesy right now. How can you heal a nation when you can't heal a church? How can you unite people out there when you can't unite them in the church house? The church is going to have to learn how to fix it in here. We're going to have to learn how to worship together in here. We're going to have to learn how to praise God in here regardless of who you voted for or who you didn't vote for because we're going to have to make sure that we remember that we were Christian before we were American or before we were Latino or anything else. We're going to have to remember what unites us. It's the blood, it's the cross, and it's the word. And we got to get it right in here if we're going to preach it out there. You want the authority to reconcile the nation? Reconcile the church. You want the authority to preach on healing? Then let's heal this house. Let's get this thing right so we can help them. He said, just help my unbelief. That's why I'm here today.
Because the only way, the only way to cure unbelief is to teach people, to show people the power of God until it eradicates their unbelief. The only people to, the only way to convince people that God is a healer is to show them the witness of healing until all unbelief is gone and they believe He is a healer. We're going to cure this thing. We're going to fix this church. And we're going to, I'm not talking about life. I'm talking about the body of Christ. We're going to get this thing right because the world is waiting. They're at our feet waiting. And if we're going to heal, we're going to get this thing right. We're going to make sure that all this unbelief that's crept into the church about healing and miracles, we're going to take care of it today. We're going to declare over you today that Jesus still heals. Jesus still delivers. And Jesus still does miracles. If my iPad wasn't dead, I could show you the x-ray of my friend from Augusta, Georgia named April Mitchum with a brain tumor in her head. Incurable, inoperable, 42 years old, and the doctors give her no hope. And, his, and her husband, Jason said, just pray. We need a miracle. That was November 2018. If I had a moment, I'd show you the x-ray from last November that they sent me. They said, Tony, look at this one. The tumor didn't shrink. The tumor isn't half the size. There, there simply just is no tumor. The tumor disappeared. I'm not talking about what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. I'm talking about what Jesus did seven months ago. And I'm telling you that story so that I can get rid of the unbelief in this room and you'll start believing Jesus heals cancer. Jesus heals tumors. Jesus heals heart conditions. Jesus will heal you, deliver you, and make you whole. That cancel culture that's out there it's trying to creep into church. This, this, it's trying to creep in here, and we have no mercy. We have no love. We have no restoration. We have no grace. No, forgive me. We have it. We just don't give it. Come on, somebody. Let me preach over here. We believe the blood will forgive us, but it won't forgive someone else. We believe we were worthy of the cross, but not it's not for anyone else. And before you say it's a new problem, no, it's not. It existed in the book of Acts chapter 9 when Saul of Tarsus became the apostle Paul and the district board heard about it in Jerusalem and they said, nope, 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 no. He's too wretched of a sinner. He's persecuted us too long. He's been too dirty for too There's no way that the blood that cleansed me can cleanse him, but my might I remind you that Jesus gave Peter a dream in the next chapter, and he said, don't you call unclean what I have cleaned. So we need a church that's not looking for a scandal everywhere. Not looking for everyone's sin and everyone's screw-ups and failures. We need a church that knows how to forgive and knows how to make right, knows how to lead people to the same sinner's altar where they laid their burdens on the altar. And if you say, well, I just don't know. You don't know what they did. You just make sure, Brother Saul. You just make sure, Sister Saul, 
that there's not a Mephi set in your bloodline somewhere down the line that's going to need an act of mercy and grace from King David. You just make sure there's not someone down in the bloodline that one day is going to need the same grace and mercy that was afforded to you, but you don't extend. I want the body of Christ to know we still believe that God is a rewarder of those that seek him, and he will forgive, he will restore, he will redeem, because there's power in the blood of Jesus. We're not going to let cancel culture get into the church any longer. Well, did you, do you, I know what they did last summer. Because I wonder, I wonder, well, I need to be careful because someone accused me of false doctrine. The Bible says that God takes your sins and wraps them in the blood and throws them to the deepest part of the sea. But I wonder when you start digging up dirt on others. I wonder if the chains of the blood aren't loosened on yours. And I wonder what dirt might start floating up to the surface. Because with the same way you forgive is the way you'll be forgiven. I'm in, I'm in a vein right now. We got too many people digging up dirt, digging up mud, getting ready to sling the mud, sling the dirt, and do this, and say this, and I know what you did, and I know what you did, and do you know where the, do you know this, and you know this, and Father God's sitting up in heaven, and he says, I don't have a clue what you're talking about, because you're looking for dirt, and all I see is the blood. I see redemption. I see salvation. Why? Because there's power in the blood. There is, there's a suicide spirit on the earth today because people think if they make one mistake, they think if they do one thing wrong, if they invest in one wrong stock, they'll go jump off a cliff because they think there's no hope. That is the spirit of the enemy. We need our children to know and we need to remind ourselves that it is written that a just man will fall, but he's going to get back up again. That doesn't condone sin. That doesn't mean you can continue in sin. That doesn't mean you can continue doing and what's wrong, but what I'm telling you is that if you'll make it right, there's still room at the cross for you, and the same blood that forgave you one time will forgive you forevermore. I rebuke the spirit of cancel culture, and I say let redemption and restitution and restoration reign in the body of Christ. Musicians come because I'm coming to a close. I still believe in that old-fashioned concept of holiness that has been so polluted by man and by religion to the point where you say that word and everybody says, what are you talking about, legalist? Holiness, holiness was never, holiness was never about acquiring a book of rules to rule the church. Holiness was birthed out of the hearts of people that were so in love with Jesus that they looked at the things that had their hearts bound. 
the things that had them consumed. And when they looked at Jesus and they looked at this and they looked at Jesus and they looked at this, they said, no, you're more, you're, you're, you're more important than that. I don't, I don't, I don't want anything. I'm, I'm trying to draw closer. And when they tried to reach and something constrained them because this was, this, this, they said, well, I don't, I don't want anything to stop me from being able to, to reach out to you. Holiness was never about putting restraints on the church. It was never about restraining the church. It was about freeing the church so that the church could draw closer to him. And that is what the, the enemy right now has fed this lie. That you can't preach anything. You can't teach anything. You can't say anything is true and that anything is a sin. Because if you do it, you're some kind of dogmatic legalist. But the devil is a liar. If we're going to draw close to him, if we're going to make it to heaven, there's some stuff we got to drop and let go of along the way because there's some things that just can't stand in his presence. I'm not doing it out of some judicial procedure. I'm doing it out of a heart that says, I want more of you. Amen. Stand with me in this house. Say, what is all that stuff? What does all that have to do with a boy that needed healing? His own daddy didn't have faith. He knew where to bring him, but he brought him with fingers crossed. Because he knew when I come to those religious leaders, it's just going to be a bunch of bickering and arguing and fighting. I believe, just help me with my unbelief. What this world needs is a sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, redemptive, revival church that walks in integrity, walks in holiness, walks in healing, walks in signs, miracles, and wonders. And when they bring us their needs, it's not arrogance, it's confidence. We say, we know in whom we have believed. We tell them, let me tell you what Jesus did three weeks ago in Phoenix. Let me tell you what God did for my boy. Let me tell you what God did for my girl. Let me tell you what God... And when you tell them, it'll cause belief, expectation. I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm sure I have. I told you the story. I feel I have to tell it right now. I snuck into a healing crusade a few years ago in Chicago, about 20 years ago. Cynical. I was there to prove that it was fake. Not prove it to man, prove it to myself. The problem is that while I was sitting there, I was seeing person after person after person get healed, and nobody was laying hands on them. Nobody prayed the prayer of faith. Billy Cole wasn't there to say, by the authority of the word of God. They were just getting healed. And it was messing with my faith. Nobody prayed for them. Nobody said the word of faith. No one said it's time for healing. And I walked out to the lobby because I pace. When I'm nervous, I just pace in general. I'm just always pacing. And I paced out to the lobby and there was this lady banging on the door. You know, Chicago, we're not very nice. Here we are at a religious gathering. She's banging on the door. Let me in, fool. Let me in, fool. 
yelling at security. Security, arms locked, not letting anybody else in because of his max capacity. She said, let me in, fool. Yelling through the, you know, in the name of Jesus, of course, but I mean just yelling through the glass door. It's just, she said, you don't get it. If I get in the building, I'm going to get a miracle. And I felt like the prisoners that went to arrest Jesus. They showed up and they said, which one of you is Jesus? And Jesus said, I am. And they all, the Bible says they all went, oh. I had one of those moments right there. She said, if I just get in, I'm going to get a miracle. And it hit me. I have never, at that point in my life, I had never come to church ready to kick a door down and say, if I get there, I'm going to get a miracle. I always came hoping. I always came saying, as they say in English, que sera, sera. We'll see. Hopefully. She didn't come hoping. She came expecting. And it was in that healing crusade in the Rosemont Horizon, 1999, that I learned the highest level of faith that exists is the level of expectation. Where you walk in expecting a miracle. You expect the healing. I came to Life Church today with expectation. Someone's unbelief is going to be healed today. Someone's sickness is going to be healed today. Someone's money trouble is going to be healed today. Someone's marriage is going to be healed today. Someone's ministry is going to be restored today because the power of God is in this place. And, and, and this will sound like it really has nothing to do with the sermon, but I really feel like it's for you. As I make this altar call, we had a big rainstorm. I wasn't checking text messages. I was pulling a video up. Someone's like, man, he's up there texting. We had a big rainstorm the other night. Water came up in the pool to the same level as the concrete. Looked like we had an infinity pool in the backyard. And so I went out there to drain the water to bring everything down to the right level. You know how some people take pride in their lawns and they, you know, they'll mow the lawn. Is there any of you guys out there that do, does that? Like you're like you're all proud of your like, yeah, right. I, I, I feel like that could be you. You're just proud of like the, you're, you know, you play tic-tac-toe with the, with the, I don't even know how to turn the thing on. And you're over there, you're drawing and making, yeah. Who, who said guilty? My God, I'm in the Holy Ghost. I've, Shoo. I wish I could do that. You know where I take pride? In my pool. I take pride that that thing is crystal clear. You see everything in that pool. Don't you bring sin into that pool. We'll see it. Hallelujah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I was walking by the pool, and it was, it just looked like a piece of glass. And I felt the Lord say to me, stick your toe in it. I thought that was weird, but I obey. God speaks to me in weird ways. So I, I just dabbed it. And when I dabbed it, it started a ripple. A ripple that started spreading through the pool. And I said, and the Lord spoke. He said, I just need one person to put their toe in the river of revival. I just need one person to just step in. And I'll cause a ripple effect to come on the churches that you're preaching at. I said, Lord, 
I said, if I go tell him that, it's going to sound so weird. I said, would you let me dip my toe? And would you let me see it again? He said, dip your toe. So I dipped my toe. You might not be able to see it, but you can see my clean pool right there. I dipped my toe. I just dipped my toe. All I did was dip it. And there was a ripple and a ripple and a ripple and a ripple. Life Church, all I'm looking for today is one person that says I'm tired of living in unbelief. I'm tired of living in religion. I'm tired of living in this world. I'm here tonight, preacher, to dip my toe in the river. I want to dip my toe in the river because I want there to be a ripple of revival. I want there to be a ripple of healing. I want there to be a ripple of miracles. If that's you, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Look, I didn't even have to call for them. They're here. You say, I'm going to put my, that's me. I don't want any more unbelief in my family. I don't want any more. I don't want any more of this division in my nation. I don't want any more of this unbelief. I'm here to dab my toe in the river and cause revival to come because I believe. If that's you at the count of three, get in this altar and take a dip in the rivers. of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Someone's taking a dip. You're taking a dip in the river.
on the profession of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. baptized. You're here today and you say, Preacher, I've never been baptized or I've lived a lot of life since I got baptized as a baby and I need to, I need to take a dip in the pool of baptism. If that's you, would you raise your hand? You're here and you say, I want to be baptized today and you're not already in the list. Is there someone? I'm waiting on you. All right, while we're getting ready to water baptize, they're about to come. If you need healing in your body, I'm doing this now so I don't interrupt the baptisms. If you need healing in your body, and you believe that Jesus can heal you today. At the count of three, I want you to line up right here in the front between Pastor Robin and between, step up real right here, just for a minute, and between her. If you need healing, line up right here. One, two, three, come now. We're going to have to make that line a little longer, a little longer, a little longer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can extend it past Sister Robin on this side. Get in a line. Get in a line. They're getting ready. I'm sorry. I'm delaying your baptism. We're cool though, right? We're good? All right. She said we're cool. The water's warm. Hallelujah. Someone else? You need healing. Let's make one line. Let's make one line. If there's someone else, make one line. Make one line. Don't miss Wednesday night. What time is Wednesday night at? 7 p.m. Get here at 645 and come with expectation. Come hungry. We don't have to stay forever, but God will do in a few minutes what you've been waiting years to see happen. Come hungry for Pentecost. Come hungry for a baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come hungry for signs, miracles, and wonders. God's going to meet us here on Wednesday. These are those that need healing. Hallelujah. Now, she waited on you all. Now, you all wait on her for just a moment. Brother Rodney, let's baptize her. Jada Michelle Allen, by the profession of your faith and your obedience to the Word of God, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Somebody give God praise right now. Somebody give God praise. Hey. Glory to God. That's her daddy. That just baptized her. Believe on the Lord. And you and your house shall be saved. There's a few more baptisms that are coming. Sister that just walked by me in the flower dress, I feel like I know you, and I don't know why I know you, but I feel like I know you. Why do I know you? Remind me. Mercy in the morning. Don't say that in the microphone. Raise your hands, though, because God has not forgotten about you, my sister. There is an old dream an old thing from way back yonder that has not come to pass yet 
And unbelief would say, it was just a figment of my imagination. It's something that died with something that died in my past. But the Lord would speak to you and say, I am the God of resurrection, and I resurrect the dead dream. I resurrect the dread thing. And the Lord says, watch how in a day I make everything that is wrong right for you in Jesus' name. Jesus! are you you're seven years old and you're getting baptized today I think that's so awesome what's your name L it's just L she's so cool she didn't even need like she just needed a letter this just L right here L's about to get baptized seven years old and those are L would it be okay if I just pray for those people that need a miracle real quick before we baptize you is that okay You'll be all right. That water's hot. That's, you're like in a jacuzzi right there. If you need a miracle, would you raise your hands in the presence of God? I need some altar workers to stand behind them or stand in front of them because the fire of God's about to hit this house. And when the fire of God comes, anything and everything is possible. Life Church, you better get ready because... God's about to turn up the fire in this house. There's going to be an intense move of God in this house. El, we're going to baptize you in just a moment. I promise we're coming by the authority of the Word of God and by the power that's in the name of Jesus. Father, when I lay my hand on their head, let the fire and the glory of God touch them. Let every sickness be gone, every pain be gone. Let it happen now in the name of Jesus. Let's go, altar team. Fire, fire, fire in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Fire in Jesus' name. Fire in Jesus' name. Touch. Touch. Woo. It's on her. It's on her. Fire. Woo. It's here. It's here. Come on. Come on. Fire in Jesus' name. Yeah, 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 yeah. gear upon the profession of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Give them praise right now. Give them praise right now. Hallelujah.
Abby Baxter, upon the profession of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Come on, that's it. Let's give them a praise. Come on. Come on. We got children. We got adults. Amen. Take that devil. That's one more you can't have. That's one more you can't have. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to tell you what I feel like the Holy Ghost was saying to me while Pastor Tony was preaching. He 
was talking about, you know, we've all had faith for, for healing and divine miracles and for the gifts of the Spirit and divine healing. And, and many of us, we've seen it occasionally or we've been around it. But I really feel like God spoke to me and he's been talking to me about this for a while. We've just been kind of dabbling around the edges. But God is getting ready to take this church right into the deep end of the pool. Come on. Come on, he's going to take us right into the deep end of the pool. And I'm going to tell you right now, and I, 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 I just mean this church, I mean God's been talking to me about my life and about my ministry, amen? Now, and I've seen, I've seen people healed, I've seen people delivered, I've, I've seen a lot of great things happen, but I'm talking about to operate freely in the gifts of the Spirit and in the manifestation of the power of God, and it's going to happen. It's happening. Amen. We've seen what? We've seen 30 people baptized the last two Sundays. Amen. People filled with the Holy Ghost. God has been healing it, but I'm telling you, folks, we got to be ready for it. Amen. This world is ready. We've done, we've danced the dance. We've watered down church. We've done the whole seeker sensitive thing. We have, we've done everything we can think of to attract people. You know what attracts lost people? The power of God. The power of the Holy Spirit. The blood of Jesus. If you're ready, I want you to lift your hands. Come on. And I want you to tell God, God, I'm ready for it. Come on, that's it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it, God. I want you to use me. I want you to pour out your spirit in me, God. God, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it, God. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it, God. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Oh, in the name of Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want us to plan to be here Wednesday night. Whatever you got to do to be here. Even if you got to come in your work clothes and you got to come a few minutes late, whatever you got to do. Wednesday night, be here 7 o'clock. Amen. Say, well, that's not what we normally do. Yeah, that's right. I'm tired of us doing what we always normally do. Amen. We're ready for God to do what he wants to do. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the demonstration of your power. I thank you for the lives that have been changed even today, God. But we're ready, Lord. We're ready to jump into the pool. We're ready, God, to jump into what you want us to do. We're ready, God, for your spirit to have its way. And we thank you today. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. Amen. Happy Independence Day. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. I'll see you on Wednesday night. Amen.